Listen, if, listen. If, have you ever had one of those mornings where you wake up and it's, how'd that song go? You know you make me want to shout. Come on, hands up and shout. Come on now, shout. You ever wake up like that, one of those attitudes? I wake up like that every day because like my, my wife was saying, this is the day that the Lord has made. Listen, think about that. This is the day the Lord made. And last time I checked, everything that God makes is good. And so there's always good for us in the day. We just have to unpeel, you know, take, take back the scales off our eyes and see the day for what it is. It's a blessed day. It's a good day. It's a prosperous day. It's a day where God is leading us and guiding us and providing for us and revealing to us new things. Isn't that exciting? So I'm going to say this one more time. Good morning. Good morning. All right. You guys sound great. All right. So for those of you that don't know me, I am just the announcer here. No, let me stop. I'm Pastor Jose. Uh, I'm, I'm Pastor Jose. I'm the lead pastor here at Church of the Bridge. And today I have the privilege to minister the word of God to you. But today's a different kind of service. See, today we are doing something that uh, has been long overdue. We're going to be installing deacons today. So each and every one of you actually get to be a part of what God is doing here. Not just today, but for years to come. Uh, for those of you that don't know anything about us, or maybe you, you know, you're not so, so readily familiar uh, with us. We started about three and a half years ago, a little over three and a half years ago. We started with 12 people in my house, and that lasted about three weeks. We ended up at the Hudson Valley Hotel and Conference Center, and that lasted about five months. And then we landed in this building, and we've been here uh, three years in this building. Um, and we are now using every nook and cranny of this facility, um, and we continue to grow. And you might be saying, well, wait a minute, you're going to install deacons now? After three and a half years? Why so long? And the reason why is because the Bible instructs us that we're to know those that labor amongst us. It's not something that we're to take lightly. And so today I'm going to be talking to you from the series that we've been on uh, about leadership and structure within the body of Christ. For some of us, we might go, oh man, I came on the wrong side. No, no, no. Perk up your ears. Listen closely. Because I, I can guarantee you this, that for some of us today... This will challenge our understanding of what we know to be leadership and structure in the body of Christ. It's a good thing. And so uh, over the last couple of weeks, we've been on a series entitled, I Am One. And this whole series has been about the body of Christ. Uh, if we could just sum it up in, in a couple of words, it's simply this. We are one body in Christ. Say that with me. We are one body in Christ. Now, the operative word there outside of Christ, of course, which is the utmost word there, is that we're one. We're one. And when it comes to church, uh, for some reason, people have this notion that we're we're all separate and distinct. It's like I'm over here and you're over there. I'm Episcopalian and I'm Catholic. And you're Pentecostal and I'm evangelical. And I'm non-denominational and this and that. And the thing is that that's not in Scripture. That's not scriptural. There is no scriptural basis for it. And I would encourage you all, as, and for those of you that have been here for a while, you know that I always point you back to what does God's word say. Not what does Pastor Jose say, not what does Bishop such and such say, Apostle such and such. What does the word of God say? Because that's important because when we understand how God sees us as a body, then we understand that we're one and we stop seeing each other as independent. We begin to draw closer to one another and lean on one another and support one another and build one another. And as we grow and we're built up, guess what ends up happening? Our ability to reach a world in need grows with it. 
Amen? Amen. Amen. Good. All right. Some of you are getting the picture here. But let's look at some scriptures that we've been looking at over the last couple of weeks. Just to recap here. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5 says this. It says, For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Notice that the Bible says that we are individually members of one another. That almost sounds like an oxymoron. It almost sounds like it doesn't make sense. But literally what the Bible is saying is this, that we're all individually one together. Get that. And so though we're many, we're only one. Though we're many, we're only one. Say that with me. Though we're many, we're only one. Now look around this room, and I want you to begin to see what you belong to and who belongs to you. Now I get it. For some of us, that creeps us out. I don't know you. Don't touch me. Don't come hug up by me. What? Are you trying to get my number or whatever? It's not about that. Listen, at the end of the day, we're one body, and we need each other. We need each other. As a matter of fact, I encourage you today, after service, we, you know, it's a celebratory uh, kind of day today. We're going to be installing some deacons, and we'll be introducing them in a few minutes. But we're also going to have some uh, cake out there, some coffee and stuff. Please take some time, not just to eat cake. How many of you love cake? Yeah. Bunch of liars, one person raising it. You know you love you some cake, right? We're going to have some cake, some coffee. But here's what I want you to also do. Take time to connect with somebody that you don't know. Because you know what's interesting? When you discover another part of the body, according to Scripture, what you also discover is another avenue of support, of strength, of supply. So we belong together. Though we're many, we're one, we're only one. 1 Corinthians 12, 14 says this. It says, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. Have you ever considered the importance that you are to the body of Christ? We said this over the last couple of weeks, but think about this. The, the Bible tells us that Christ is the head of the body, and we are the body that pertains to the head, which is Christ. Now, have you ever thought about the importance of the body to the head? See, we all look to Jesus, and yes, rightly so, he's the head. Lord, we praise you, we follow after you, but have you ever thought about the fact that the head needs the body as much as the body needs the head? Some of us, maybe you've been there, you've been praying, oh, Jesus, please change this, Lord Jesus, please come and do something about this. And God is saying, but that's what I got you for. That's what I got you for. See, whether you know it or not, you are the solution because you are the body. So when you get on that train and people are bugging out on the train on Friday, coming back up, some of you know what I'm talking about, and they've had a little too much to drink, car number four on the Port Jervis line, coming to Salisbury Mills, and everybody has orange juice, and you're wondering why everybody's drinking orange juice, and they're talking about their problems and fighting and arguing. You're sitting there, and guess what you are? You're a solution to listen to them and go, really, I understand. Well, let me tell you about what God has done in my life. You're the, you're, the, you're the person right then and there. You're the people of God in the train, in the car, at work, in your home, with your children, with your family, with the strangers, in your community, in the cities that we go to. You are the solution because the body of Christ, that's where the church is. The church isn't here, ladies and gentlemen. You didn't come to church. You brought the church. You are the church. So that's what scripture teaches us. 
But I want you to think about this, that without you, say me, he's talking to me. Without you, we are incomplete. The body is incomplete without you. You are that important to the body of Christ. You are that important to the head. Matthew chapter 12, 25, speaking in the words of Jesus, says this, Every kingdom that is divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself, listen closely, will not stand. So if we're not united as one, then what are we? We're divided. We're divided. And so the danger in that is that, according to the words of Jesus, no house, no house or kingdom that's divided can stand. Can stand. Now I know some of us, we like to sit, right? But you try living life sitting down all your life. See how that works for you. It doesn't. We were created to stand as one body. Right? And so it, the other reason why that's so important is because only a united body of Christ, only a united church can heal the divided world today. In a world where we have so much complications, so much animosity, so many threats of wars and, and, and people judging each other based on the color of their skin, the, 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 the socioeconomic background that they come from, the cities or the, the, the places where they live at or where they've been born or what, or what the way they uh, grew up in, whatever the case is, all these things create division. And what's sad is that for some reason, some people in the body of Christ feel that it's appropriate to jump on a political bandwagon to jump on a, on, on a bandwagon that says, we're all for this social justice. I understand that there's social injustices, but the solution is the kingdom of God. Amen. The solution is the body of Christ because we bear the message of the gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation unto all men. All men. All. Said that all in one breath. All <laughs> Ephesians 4.15 says this, Speaking the truth in love, that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. I covered this over the last couple of weeks, but I just want to point this, bring up this point again. That Notice that the Bible says that the body is to grow up in all things into him who is the head. And that's important because how many of you are followers of Jesus Christ? Any followers of Jesus? Wave at me. It's okay. You, don't be ashamed that you're a follower. Okay, here's what that means, that... He's not following you. You're following him. We follow the head. We grow into the head. The head doesn't grow into us. He's already in us. We're the ones who have to grow into the head. And so the body follows the head. So what we see is that as the body of Christ, according to God's design, it's meant for us to exist as one people with one heart after God in Christ as we function in unity. And the result is that we all grow. Now, while we all follow after Jesus, we must understand this. And this is where, where I want to get to today. That, yes, Christ is the head, but the body of Christ functions according to a structure. There's boundaries. There's, there's, there's gifts that God has placed amongst the body for the purpose of building and edifying the body of protecting the body how many of you know your pastor can't do everything how many of you know that 
I can't be tending the flock and listening to every conversation and looking out for wolves and encouraging this person and praying for this person and, and going out. To, it's impossible. It's impossible. And yet somehow, it, when it comes to the body of Christ, there's this mindset that says there's the pastor. I remember one time many years ago, a few years back when we were first getting started, some of you saw me playing bass. That's not my thing, but I play bass a little bit. And um, so we were just getting started. Today I played it out of necessity because we didn't have a bass player. So I was playing bass and um, at the time, and there was a woman who was visiting us, and she came with some friends, and, and uh, she saw me playing bass. And so afterwards she says, Pastor, great service, but I'm just perplexed. She says, when did you have time for the anointing to fall upon you before you preached? I said, I'm sorry, I'm not following you. What do you mean? And she says, well, you were playing the bass. You carried your own Bible. You didn't even retreat to a room where you can pray and let the power of God do you and the anointing fall. And I said, sweetheart, the Bible says that you not just me, but all of us, we have an anointing and we know all things is what the Bible says. And so listen, listen, I, you're just as anointed as I am. God has anointed each and every one of us because we're all a part of the body. But my point in that is that somehow we elevate a few key people in the body and we forget that it takes a body for the head to lead us where we're all supposed to go as one. Make sense? And so while we all follow after Jesus, there's a structure. It reminds me of a, a book that I once read, and I pulled it out uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I was just looking over it. It's by a guy named Tim Elmore. Tim Elmore. This guy's big on leadership and youth. And uh, in this book, uh, he's uh, writing about a leadership. He's a Christian, and he, he says this. He says, I remember singing in a couple of choirs growing up. I sang in our middle school chorus as well as our church ensemble in high school. Both were, were fun, despite the fact that I can't sing. I'm serious. I don't have a good voice. I often tell people I'm known as a backup singer. Each time I approach the microphone, people say, back up. <laughs> Looking back, I can see now what those choir directors were up to. They had plenty of girls in the choir, but needed more guys. And so they went after what they needed and worked with what they got. Both directors of these choirs approached me and asked if I'd sing in their choir. Both auditioned me, and for some reason, both felt there was a place for my voice in their group. After all, it was a team, and I could blend with others, right? They determined what part I could sing. Tenor. Tenor is right. Ten or twelve notes off key. <laughs> both choir directors spent extra time rehearsing with me, uh, many times after regular rehearsal was over, they put up with my mischievous sense of humor until I finally got pretty good at my part. After our performances were over, I remember getting standing ovations from the crowd. Imagine that. Not bad for a choir with a guy who can't sing. Today, I know better. I realize that no matter how good the choir sounds, standing ovations really belong to the choir director. And so what's my point with that simple analogy that I'm sharing with you? It's that God has done something uniquely special and good in our lives individually, but for the purpose of bringing us corporately together as one. He's directing, 
And according to his direction, and as we'll see in scripture today, he's directing us and he's placed valuable gifts within the body to bring us all together and create one beautiful symphony known as the body of Christ. Maybe you're like that person that says, well, I can't sing. Listen, I can't sing. I mean, I can sing. I really can sing. I just can't sing in the keys within the major scale. I, I, I'm not doing that. I might give you the key of R, and that's my key, and it sounds good to me. And if you're my son who's not here, he'll give you the key of double Z, and he'll belt it out loud while he's showering, and he don't care who's listening. But anyway, I guess it's in the genes. But the thing is this, that just as a, 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 a choir is compiled, not of just great voices, but it's also not so great voices and everything in between. It's not, if you ever look at a, a good choir, what you'll find is that they're not all good singers. Because it's not about everybody sounding good. It's about everybody together sounding as one voice. Amen. And God has ordained and put together what he calls the body of Christ in such a way that each and every one of us play a part in it. And so today, for the next couple of moments that I have before we introduce to you our deacons, I'd like to just talk to you a little bit about leadership in the body of Christ. See, while Christ is the head of the body, and we all ultimately do and should look to him as Lord, he has placed leadership amongst the body for us to function and grow. Ephesians chapter 4, 11, verses 11 through 16 says this. It says, And he, gave, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. That word equipping there literally means to erect, to build up, to take from the ground and build it up, kind of like a skyscraper. So he's given these gifts for the equipping of the saints. Say, that's me. Amen. Amen. That's, that's us. For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man. Now, some of you might say, oh, I'm disqualified. I beg to differ. Wait till you see what the word is talking about there. It says, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together. Go ahead and touch somebody around you. In, in, in just a sim I want you to see that the person next to you, the person behind you, the person in front of you has a supply, each one as we're knit together by what every joint supplies, listen closely, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth for the body, for the edifying of itself in love. So get this picture. God's picture of you and I as one body is a body that's growing, 
a body that's supplying to one another, a body that's building itself up in love, a body that's thriving, a body that's active in the work of the ministry. But all that flows as there's a structure in place. And so let me take you back to verse uh, 11, if we could put that back up. And watch what it says. It says, he himself, who's that talking about? It's talking about Christ. It's talking about God. Yes, it's talking about the head. It says that he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. And so what I want you to begin to see is this. I know that we have witnessed or maybe you've heard at least of uh, uh, houses of faith where the pastor is established by a people. And the people say, we elect this person to be our pastor. And then you have the congregation who votes, and they're the authority, and the pastor has to do what the congregation wants, and the pastor has to do what a select few elders want. Well, according to Scripture, that's not how it works. Watch what Scripture says. It says, he himself gave some to be pastors, to be prophets, to be evangelists, to be teachers. So get that. He himself. And the proof is in what's happening amongst the body. That's the proof. That's the proof of the pudding, the proof in the pudding, that, that authenticates that the pastor is anointed, is appointed, that the apostle is doing exactly what God called him to, that there's, that the, there's a verifiable evidence of it. How many of you know that if the ends don't justify the means, there's a problem? And if we're not seeing a church that's growing and maturing to the very measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, if we're not seeing a body of Christ that is edifying itself, building itself up, taking on the work of the ministry itself, then there's a problem with the leadership. I will say this to you, whether you're a visitor. As a matter of fact, you're not visitors because it seems like we're all amongst family here in Christ. Well, if you're here amongst us, then guess what? You're not a visitor here at Church at the Bridge because according to the, body, to the word, we're one body. Amen. So welcome home. Amen. And when you go back to your church, just know we go with you. Amen. Welcome home. We're one body, right? And so, but, but we have to understand that this structure is important that it's appointed by God and that the proof is the evidence of what's happening amongst the body. And so let's consider why Jesus, why Christ, why God would do that. Why would he appoint this structure in this way? See, though he is Christ and is the head, the head always orchestrates everything and functions through the body. Maybe that went over your head. Uh, let me back up. The head, head. How many of you got some really bright ideas? Right? You got, you got some million dollar ideas, right? You got them brewing and stewing. Maybe you're getting a patent on it, a copyright. Great. But guess what? This head, they can have all these ideas and all these plans and all these these orchestrated designs, and this head without a body to carry it out can do nothing. And God sees it fit according to his design that in the body of Christ, 
There's the body, but within the body, he's given support to direct and unite and bring the body together. By the way, disclaimer real quick, this is not one of those sermons where I want you to leave from here thinking, well, pastor's just asserting his authority. No, because true leadership in the body of Christ is characterized by servanthood unto all. Unto all. It's a servant. It's not a commander. It's not, it's, not a, uh, it's not domineering. It's not demanding. No. If anything, what we see is, according to Scripture, true leadership in the body is characterized by a leadership that speaks the truth in love. love. Unites the body. Equips the body. And so let's look real quick for a couple of moments why God would design it this way. We see in these verses that Christ has provided us leadership amongst the body for the purpose of equipping. That word equipping there means to erect, but you know what it also means? To completely furnish. Ladies, you might appreciate this. If you've ever moved, right? But I don't know, we've been up here now, what, 11 years or so? When we moved up here, when we moved into the home that we have now, here was my plan. Get everything out of the truck, throw all the boxes inside, get all the furniture in, and my job is done. And I found out very quickly when we moved that that's not how it works. No, 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 honey. That, those boxes go in this room. That furniture goes over there. And then, after the fact, when I thought it was, no, 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 now we need to unpack these boxes. So my plan was just get everything out of the boxes and my job is done. And if you've been there, or gentlemen, if, you, if you've ever done this at all, then what you'll find is this, that you put the curtain rod and you think you're done. You put the holes in, you hang it, and she goes, Nah, that's too low. You need to bring that up a foot or so, right? And so, but watch what she's doing. Watch what she's doing. She's completely organizing the home and furnishing it the way it's supposed to be. Everything in order. And once everything's in order, guess what she does? Honey, can you get me something to drink, please? <laughs> You're doing all the work. Let me, let, me, let, me get off, let me get off my soapbox and stop complaining. I forgive you, hon. That was 11 plus years ago. I love you, babe. I'm sorry. I was just trying to give an example and I got excited. <laughs> I'm kidding, guys. But I want you to think about what the Bible's talking about when it talks about equipping. It's talking about doing a complete work. An exact work. One that's come to its fullness. It's full circle. And the Bible tells us that the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher is given to the body of Christ for that purpose. Can I just take a little rabbit trail? Would you allow me that? Amen. Just take a little rabbit trail. And I just want to point some things out to you about the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the teacher, the pastor. All these gifts unto the body, all these gifts unto the body, yes. like I said before, are characterized by servanthood to the body. But notice what the Bible says. It's for the equipping of the body. Why is that important to point out? Because some people are of the mindset that the prophet, for example, I'll use the prophet as an example, that the prophet is a standalone and he walks around and he prophesies to the body and it's just him. The evangelist is the person who goes out and he evangelizes. So here's what it looks like when an evangelist comes to town. A whole bunch of churches get together and evangelist such and such is coming and the whole body of Christ comes. 
and the evangelist preaches an evangelistic message to the body of Christ. And so the body of Christ is pumped about the evangelistic message, but there's no evangelism going on. The evangelist, the prophet, the pastor, the teacher, the apostle are all given to equip the body so the body can go do it. So watch how this works, for example, with the evangelist. The evangelist is not one that brings an evangelistic message. The evangelist is the one that equips the body to evangelize. That makes sense? So, so for example, my job is, think of it this way. Many of us, at some point, we've looked to the front and said, Pastor, you're in ministry, you're doing this and you're doing that. And according to scripture, it's literally, hey guys, here's what God's word says. And this is how God has created you. And this is what God says through his word. And how does this apply to your life? And we teach you the word and we equip you. And the body goes to do the work of the ministry. Yeah. Not the pastor. Yeah. Yeah. Not the apostle. Yeah. Not the prophet. Not the evangelist. Not the teacher. So if... Leadership is not building up the body and the body's not growing and maturing, then here's what that says. The leadership isn't doing its job. And I'll say this publicly. I've put this before our board of directors here at Church at the Bridge. Um, I've put this before the congregation. Don't measure me by the words that I say. Measure me by the example that I give. If I'm not doing what the word says... There's a problem, and you should be running out those doors. You should be leaving. Don't wait till the end of the Go. I'm not kicking nobody out, by the way, but, but I'm, I'm being serious. Listen, some pastors would, would look at you and go, would, would look at me and go, I can't believe you said that from the pulpit. What if you lose people? They're his flock. Amen. I'm just teaching them the word. So my point is this, that there's a structure, and that many times that structure is abused. People use position and title to dominate. If any of you have ever walked in here, you'll see how I introduce myself. Hey, my name is Jose. It's not because I'm not a pastor. It's not because I'm not called. It's not because I'm not appointed. It's not because I'm not anointed to do what I'm doing. It's because I'm a man. And yes, I'm called of God, but I'm not going to lord over anyone what God has anointed me to do. No, if anything, I'm going to serve the body. That's the way it should be. Amen? Amen? And so the leadership amongst the body is for the purpose of building up, for completely furnishing. But like I said, for the work of the ministry. You know what that's literally saying there when the Bible says that? It means the business of the kingdom. It means labor in the kingdom. And so we're supposed to be about the business of the kingdom. And many times what we can do, I know I've done it at one point in my life. I looked to the pastor and said, well, it's the pastor's job to evangelize. And it's the pastor's job to preach. And it's the pastor's job to go uh, reach the unsaved. And it's the pastor's job. And no, it's the body's job. It's all our jobs, right? And the Bible talks about edifying the body. But what I love about this in Scripture is that it says that when the bodies mature just as Christ is, when we all reach the measure of the stature of the fullness of Jesus Christ, it says that the body edifies itself in love. It builds itself up. Now it's no longer the pastor saying, hey, let me encourage you. Now it's the body going, man, how you doing, brother? God bless you, man. How you been? Yeah. 
Let me pray for you. you. You have a need? Let me help you. Hey, let me point you to some resources. And the body begins to work together as one, and it builds itself up. Where once it started with one or two or a few people, now we're no longer the few, the proud, the Marines. Now we're an entire army, and we all grow in maturity. And the beauty of it is this, that when the body grows that way, the entire body's equipped, and there are more people that we can reach with the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We need the leadership that God has appointed. We need it. As I said, the true mark of leadership appointed by God unto the body is leadership that serves people. It's leadership that speaks the truth and love. Going right from Scripture, what Scripture says. It's leadership that equips the body to do the work of the ministry. And it's leadership that empowers the body to mature and be complete just like Christ through God's Word. Some of you might be saying, man, I got a long way to go to be like Christ. And what you don't realize is that you are everything that God created you to be right now. The Bible says that old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You are a new creation. When the Bible says that you are one with God in spirit, when the Bible says that just as he is, so are you in this world, that means that you are just like Christ right now. Right now. Right now. The thing is, are you in a place where you're being taught the word, where it's equipping you and unveiling that truth? so that you can walk in the maturity that God predestined you for. That's important. That is so important. See, true leadership is not about denominational agendas. It's not about self-ambitions. It's not about personal vision. It's not about the size of the congregation. It's about the size of Jesus in our lives and what we grow to do with him. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul gives this example. I'm reading from the King James Version, um, and it says this. It says, be ye followers of me, even as I am of Christ. The true mark of leadership appointed by God in the body of Christ is one that closely resembles the life and teaching of Christ by its example, not just its word. Talk is cheap. Believe that? That's true. Talk is cheap. You ask me, why did it take so long to establish deacons? Because I've been watching and listening for over three and a half years. Watching and listening and equipping and developing people. I understand what it is to feel like, but I don't know enough. And I don't know anybody here. And this is all new to me. And I'm, I, some of this stuff is just going over my head and, and I, I don't see how this is relevant to me. And, and that's not my personality type and I'm not comfortable doing that. I, I get it. I understand what that feels like. I get it. But the truth is this, that in the body of Christ, God gives us examples. Listen, if I'm not serving as an example of Christ here in this local congregation of the body of Christ, this portion of the body, if I'm not being an example, like I said, don't stay. I encourage you, don't do it. Because I'll lead you the wrong way. But what we see through Paul's words is the example that, yes, we follow the head, but he gives us leadership to model what the head is revealing. Amen. How he's leading. What he's speaking. 
That's important. And so, there's a reason why we follow leadership. Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47 tells us this. It says, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. And all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for, for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And all the while, they were praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And so watch what happens in a body when it's, it's under the proper leadership. Notice that the Bible says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That doesn't mean that they were devoting themselves to what Peter had to say. They were devoting themselves to the revelation that Peter and James and Paul and all these men had received from God. So they were learning the gospel. And the Bible says that as a result of what they were all learning in unity, they began to share with one another. They began to care for one another. They began to break bread with one another. They learned together. They grew in a unity of faith. In other words, they all believed in Christ. They all believed we're one as opposed to saying you're this one and you're that one and you go to this church and I go to that church and this is our region and this is your region and make sure that if you leave this ministry you go at least 100 miles to the west because this is my territory. None of that was correct. None of that was, is what was going on there. No, instead what they were doing was they were all united as one. But because they devoted themselves to the teaching of the leadership, the structure of the leadership, the Bible says that miracles happened. Amen. That daily there were those that were being added to them that were saved. Listen, these guys were tripping over people coming to Christ. <laughs> it doesn't say that they were working and going, oh, we got to get an evangelistic campaign going on and let's put a tent out there and let's get the loudest speakers and let's get all these worship bands and let's go win some for Christ. The Bible says that they devoted themselves to the leadership, to the teaching, to prayer, to the breaking of bread, and they grew together, and the Lord added to them daily those that were being saved. They didn't break a sweat. When the church is devoted under the leadership placed by God, to the word of God and one another, everyone benefits. Everyone benefits. Listen, when we understand how the body of Christ is supposed to be structured and what the purpose of leadership amongst the body is, not to follow them, but to, yes, learn and grow and to an extent follow by example, but to take what the leadership provides and grow up and do the work of the ministry, everyone benefits. 
Not only do you leave with a good and encouraging word from God on a Sunday, but on Monday, guess what? You got your Superman cape on, your Superwoman cape on, and you are out there and you're soaring and you're walking in the goodness of God, in the blessing of God. You're sharing the word of God, not simply just by a sermon, but you know what? You're sharing by the life that you're living and the love that you extend to a world that's hurting and in need. Everyone benefits, including the unsaved. And we see that in verse 47. In Exodus chapter 18, verses 17 through 23, I'll give you some background here. Here's what's going on. Moses and the people of Israel have left Egypt. They're gone. They're free from captivity. And they're out in the wilderness. They're out in desert country. And what, uh, 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 a, uh, it was supposed to only take them about 11 days or so to get to where they were supposed to go. It ended up being 40 years. That's a whole other story. But while they're out there, Moses is leading all these people. And one day, his father-in-law shows up with his wife and his kids. And if you read between the lines and look at what's happening, Moses is so busy doing everything himself for the people that he doesn't even have time for his wife and kids. And so his father-in-law shows up, Jethro, his father-in-law shows up with his daughter, who's Moses' wife, and his grandkids, which are Moses' children, and he brings them to them, the Bible says. You can read this in Exodus 18. Um, and what we see is that Moses, at the end of the day, sits down with his father-in-law Jethro, and he begins to share with them how God had delivered them from Egypt and all the miracles that God had performed and all these great things. And then he says to him, uh, and yeah, you know, now I'm, I'm, I'm here judging the people and this and that. And the Bible says that Moses tells his father-in-law that from the morning, the Bible reveals that from the morning all the way till late at night, Moses was judging the people. In other words, he was teaching them, he was instructing them all by himself. Now, the people of Israel, it's estimated by uh, uh, Bible historians that it was between two and three million people. How many of that's a lot of people? That's a lot of problems. That's a lot of teaching. That's a lot of direction. And Moses is doing this all by himself. So his father-in-law hears this, and he says to Moses in verse 17, this is not good. Moses' father-in-law exclaimed, he says, you're going to wear yourself out and the people too. This job is too heavy a burden for you to handle all by yourself. Now listen to me and let me give you a word of advice and may God be with you. You should continue to be the people's representative before God, bringing their disputes to him. Teach them God's decrees and give them his instructions. Show them how to conduct their lives, but select from all the people some capable, honest men who fear God and hate bribes. Appoint them as leaders over groups of 1,000, 150, and 10. Hey, maybe, maybe this isn't your home church. Maybe you're in a church and all you've got is 10, 11 people. Maybe there's only 20 people and you're going, well, the pastor's got it all. According to scripture, once you got 10 people, somebody needs to be leading besides the leader. When you got 50 people, when you got 100 people, when you got 1,000 people, there's different levels. But at every point, there's a supply of people that should be stepping in along with the leadership and equipping the body. And so he says to him, um, they should always be available in verse 22. They should always be available to solve the people's common disputes. But have them bring the major cases to you. Let the leaders decide the smaller matters themselves. They will help you carry the load, making the task easier for you. 
If you follow this advice and if God commands you to do so, then you will be able to endure the pressures and all these people will go home in peace. I want to point something out to you here about this. Notice in verse uh, 17, if we could, uh, verse 18, if we could put that back up, please. It says that Moses' father-in-law says to him, you're going to wear yourself out. Now watch this. Moses is doing all the work. But his father-in-law says to him wisely, you're going to wear yourself out and the people too. And the first time the Lord revealed this to me, I was in a similar place in the beginning. I was trying to do everything. And I said, Lord, I can't do this. Lord, how am I going to do this? We don't have enough people. We don't have this. We don't have that. And the Lord showed me this scripture. And here's what he revealed to me. Notice that Moses is doing all the work. But Jethro, by inspiration of God, says to him, if you keep doing this, not only are you going to get tired, but you're going to tire the people out. Do you know why he was saying that? The people weren't doing the work. But a people that are not used and, and, and functioning in the body of Christ become stale. You get tired of being where you're going, being amongst the people. It kind of looks like this. Oh, my God, we're going to church today. I can't believe this. And you get in the car and you're on your way and you're like, what are we having for lunch after we get out? You grow tired. It becomes burdensome. Do you know why? Because as the body of Christ, we were meant to do the work of the ministry, not simply sit. We were meant to be a living, breathing, breathing organism that is alive and active and building one another up and building others. Amen? Here's the other thing I want to point out to you from verse 23. Notice that it says that he says, if you follow this advice, if you do what God's commanding here, he says, you'll endure the pressures. In other words, Moses, you'll be able to endure. You'll be able to get through all the challenges. But watch what it also says. It says, and all these people will go home in peace. That word peace there is the Hebrew word shalom. You know what it's talking about? It's not just talking about a tranquil state of mind. It's talking about blessing. It's talking about safety. It's talking about prosperity. It's talking about provision. It's talking about all that comes to us in Christ. And so what we see here is that it keeps the entire body from growing weary. And we all enjoy the peace of God. When we're under the right leadership, this is what happens. Over the last couple of years, as I explained to you all, we, um, we've been watching and observing. And many times I've had people who ask me, hey, pastor, what does it take for me to do this? Or what does it take for me to do that? And depending on what we're talking about, sometimes it just simply looks like this. It's, a, it's an admirable thing to desire the gifts is what the Bible says. Paul says we should desire the gifts. We should desire to flow in the gifts amongst the body. That's a good thing. It's a good thing to want to be in leadership and, and build the body. That's a good thing. But in order to do it correctly, it takes it being men and women that are faithful, full of the Spirit, operating in wisdom. And that doesn't mean that we aren't. That doesn't mean that you aren't. But what it does 
what we're going to see according to scripture is that there is time that has to take place for this. We have to observe this. We have to see people. People have to be tested and approved. Pastor Ned, if you could join me up here, please. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. Give us the job description and qualifications for deacons. This is just the first step here at Church at the Bridge. And today we'll be installing five deacons. Eventually down the line, we'll be establishing elders. And there'll be other deacons that will be coming on board. But I want to read to you what the word has to say about the establishment of deacons, the installation of deacons. Paul, writing to Timothy by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and giving Timothy direction, because Timothy, it's uh, uh, theorized that he, he led the largest church in Macedonia, which was between 10,000 and 30,000 people. That's a lot of people. And if you read the book of Timothy, what you'll see is that Paul's encouraged Timothy quite a bit in both of these letters. He's correcting him on some things. He's encouraging him. He's also teaching him some things. And I believe that maybe Timothy at this point just found himself at a point where he was like, man, how do I do all this? How, how, how are we going to make this all work? I'm spinning my wheels here. I'm running a rat race. And Paul says to him, in the same way, deacons are to be worthy of respect. All that simply means is this. It means that they're people of good reputation. It means that they're people that not just when they're in the church, but when they're outside of the walls, that they, they, they are respectable. They're morally sound people. They're established. They're even keeled. So he says, in the same way, deacons are to be worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine and not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. You know what the Bible's saying there? That they grasp the gospel clearly. They get it. They, 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 they're walking in it. Verse 10, he says that they must first be tested. In other words, you don't just take someone and say, hey man, welcome to Church of the Bridge. I need you to be a deacon. I need you to lead this group of people. I need you to take on this group of connect groups and begin to teach it and facilitate these, these groups and, and do this and do that. No, 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 no. The Bible says that the deacon is one who's proven, tested, and then... If there's nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. That word deacons is the Greek word diakonos. And literally what it means, here's, here's what the word deacons means. Because some people wear that title, well, oh, I'm deacon such and such. You know what the word deacon means? Servant. Servant of all. If you look at the first deacons that were established in the book of Acts, what you'll find is this, that there was this turmoil that was uprising amongst the body of Christ between the Greek believers and the Jewish believers, the Gentile believers and the Jewish believers. 
And there were widows and a group of widows which were Jewish and Greek. They're referred to as Hellenists. They have a mixture of parents. That these widows started complaining and they come to the, to the apostles. And the Bible says that the apostles, they say, let's choose men full of the spirit, faithful from amongst the body. And let's choose them so that they could tend to the business of serving the needs of the people so that we could devote ourselves to the teaching of the word and prayer. In other words, here's what the apostles were saying. We can't do it all, but we need faithful men. And let me just clarify something. According to scripture, Romans chapter uh, 16 gives us this example. Paul, writing to the Romans, says this about a woman named Phoebe. He says, I commend to you Phoebe. He says, a servant. Guess what the Greek word is there? Diakonos. He says, I commend to you Phoebe, a deaconess, a servant unto the body in century, which was a, a region. And it says that, he says to them, assist her and give her whatever support she needs in the business that she has unto the body of believers. And so, maybe you've heard or maybe you're of the opinion only men are to be deacons, not according to Scripture. Not according to Scripture. Scripture doesn't reveal that. And so today, we're going to take some time, but let me just finish reading this to you. It says, in the same way, the women are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be faithful to his wife, to his spouse, and must manage his children and his household well. If you read this further, what you'll see is that Paul says, if they can't manage their own house, how can they manage the affairs of the church? How can they serve effectively? And so today we want to call a few men and women up. We want to present to you the first of many more deacons to come at Church at the Bridge. And hey, here's what I'm looking forward to, to seeing the days when you are leading and serving and building the body. Ladies and gentlemen, we're here to serve you. We're not here with agendas. We're not here trying to reach a quota of offering. <laughs> That's the last thing on our mind. Can I tell you something? While yes, we have a desire for the body of Christ to continue to grow here, you know what we focus on? Teaching you the word correctly. Because when you do that, the body grows. The Lord adds. And so I thank God for each and every one of you. And I thank God for the many more that are to come. But here's why I'm excited now. Because we're bringing in the first wave of deacons. Which means the body gets served to a greater capacity. Which means the body is strengthened and grows even more. Which means the body is now able to do the work of the ministry to a greater capacity. And we're all growing. We're all benefiting today. So while we celebrate and acknowledge these deacons that we're going to anoint today and pray over and ordain as deacons here at Church at the Bridge, I want you to understand that this is your story as well as theirs. This is our story, amen? And so we celebrate that.